the individual investor show. You bought it all, aren't you? You hear one thing, they all need money. Now let's see if they're brave enough to earn it. Hello and welcome to the Individual Investor Show. My name is Jennifer Shearer, your host for this afternoon. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you all had a wonderful week. So during a volatile bear market, people are utilizing stock screens as well as dividend investing strategies to bolster their portfolios. A recent study conducted by Alliance Life stated that 40% of investors say they're too nervous to get into the markets right now. But that's because many individuals lack the education, tools, and resources to navigate through the ebbs and flows. That's why at AAII, we aim to help individuals learn how to best utilize stock screens and other strategies to find the right investments for their portfolios. Tonight's event is the Individual Investor Show, Sizzling Stock Opportunities. For this episode, Dividend Investing Editor Derek Hagman chats with us about his latest First Cut Stocks articles in the June 2022 issue of the AAII Journal. The articles present the current high-yielding dividend payers and the current largest rising dividend stocks. He explains the differences between the two and how to judge whether a high-yield or rising dividend payment can be sustained. And in the second part of this episode, we sit down with Assistant Financial Analyst Matt Markowski to discuss his latest article, How to Best Use Stock Screens to Build a Portfolio. In his article, he shows investors how to choose a predefined stock screen or build your own to effectively find the opportunities that fit your individual and stock investing needs. But before we jump in, I do want to preface tonight's presentation by reminding our viewers that AAII is a nonprofit educational group and is not a financial advisor and thus cannot give personal advice. Every investor is different. That's why our goal with each broadcast and article is to educate you on how to make better financial decisions. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy our presentation. Hi, Derek. Thanks so much for chatting with me today about your two articles in the June 2022 issue of the AAII Journal, High Yielding Dividend Payers and Up, Up, and Away, Biggest Rising Dividend Payers. Awesome. I just wanted to jump right in. And uh, yeah, thank you again so much for sitting down with me today. And uh, so my first question is, can you give us a high level overview of the two main dividend investing strategies, high yield and high dividend growth? Definitely. And, and thanks before getting started. Just uh, thanks for having me today. You know, I love to talk about uh, dividend investing strategies. So happy to happy to join the conversation. So your, your first question there, there are two main dividend investing strategies, uh, high yield and high dividend growth. And as you think of these, these two strategies, it may help you to think of a continuum with high yield on one end and high dividend growth on the other end. And in the middle, there are different blends of these two strategies. So in general, we can say that the high yield strategy, as the name implies, seeks high yielding stocks. And due to the higher than average yield, the market often perceives these stocks as riskier compared to high dividend growth stocks. The high yield signals higher risk and may indicate weaker growth prospects, whereas the high dividend growth strategy, again, as the name implies, seeks growing dividends. Uh, the market perceives dividend growth stocks as less risky due to better growth prospects. Dividend growth stocks have a lower absolute yield when compared to the high yield approach. And, uh, you know, during market volatility, you know, like what we are experiencing right now, you know, what makes these strategies a good portfolio protector? 
Yeah, so I mean, companies whose cash flows have translated into rising payouts, they're known as dividend growers. And the high dividend growth strategy seeks financially strong companies that are healthy enough to sustain and even grow their dividend. So th these are companies that have competitive advantages that will allow them to continue to earn above average profits and sustain their dividends for years. And one of the competitive advantages is that these st stocks typically have some pricing power. So they are leaders in their industry and they can pass price increases along to customers. And really what it comes down to is dividends that can grow faster than inflation are a good portfolio protector. Interesting, interesting. And, you know, so, you know, as investors, how can, um, you know, they know when to, or how to pick the right strategy that works for them? Is, you know, is there some one that helps to achieve a certain goals or specifically better for a specific type of investor? Well, the, the high yield versus high dividend growth debate, it definitely raises an important question. Yeah, which are the better dividend paying stocks? Stocks with a lower initial yield, but with a higher dividend growth rate? or stocks with a lower dividend growth rate, but with a higher initial yield. So that's the growth versus high yield. And really nothing brings out a dividend investor's passion like a lively debate over the, the better dividend strategy. There are investors that invest in both high yield and high dividend growth strategies, but there are others that definitely prefer one style over the other. So we'll, we'll let you decide which strategy works best for your specific situation and financial goals. But for our purposes, what we're really trying to do is, is to make you aware of each strategy's benefits and challenges. And that's what we're hoping to do by answering some of these questions. That makes sense. And, you know, you, in your article, you do mention, you know, you, you mentioned that there are three types of high yielding stocks. And so I wanted to ask you, you know, uh, if you could expand on that a little bit, and then also what qualities do they specifically possess? Sure, so like you said, there, there are three types of high yielding stocks. One, there are high quality dividend growth companies which are tempor temporarily mispriced and on sale. These probably aren't true high yielders, but sometimes during bear markets or periods of extreme volatility, you might find a high quality company trading at a depressed level so that its current yield may be 1% to 2% higher than its historical yield. Two, there's structural high yielding stocks. So for this type of high yielding stock, we think of a real estate investment trust or a REIT or a master limited partnership, which is also known as an MLP, where due to tax regulations, uh, the company is required to distribute 90% of its income to shareholders or unit holders as they're called in the form of cash dividends or distributions. And the third category is struggling companies with temporary high yields. The high yields here may be temporary, not because the stock price is about to rebound at any moment, but rather because the company is likely to either cut or eliminate its dividends. Uh, the market may often misprice equities, but the market is also right an awful lot of the time. And it's important to keep an eye on unusually high yields as they can be a signal that the payout may not be sustainable. So if you're going to be a long-term dividend investor, dividend safety is paramount. And if you're going to be a high yield dividend investor, it helps to seek quality companies from either of the first two categories. Sadly, there won't be many quality companies in the third category, 
there will only be unrealistic and unsustainable promises. Interesting. And, you know, um, when you compile compiling this, you know, your first, uh, your first cut list, um, how did you find and filter out the 15 high yielding comp companies that actually made the first cut uh, for the month? What did you specifically look for? Yeah, so I mean, this month's first cut shows 15 high yielding companies. And the first cut universe, it was limited to exchange listed stocks with a share price above $3. And foreign stocks were excluded because of some of the uniquenesses of their financial statements. And so we included a filter requiring annual dividend increases over the last three years. Uh, that period was specified. The three-year historical dividend growth rates, they provide a sense of dividend sustainability. Uh, we also look for positive current earnings uh, for the current fiscal year. Uh, was also required as a minor financial strength screen. And we also looked for the current dividend yield to be greater than 4% to be in order to be superior to the current 30 year treasury rate. Uh, at the time of the article, it was 3.23%. So those are the couple, couple of the filters we looked at to, to generate the list of, of high yielders. And so, you know, how can you judge whether a high yield or rising dividend payment can be sustained by a company? I know you touched on in your article. I just wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, sure. So when investing in dividend yielders, your investment criteria should con consider more than just the yield. In order to determine if a, a company continued to pay out a high dividend yield, make sure you focus on stocks of companies that are financially healthy enough to sustain and even grow their dividend. So there's little, little point in seeking out dividend paying stocks unless the dividend is secure and expected to grow. Many companies pay dividends but those companies that can really sustain their dividend payments are more desirable. Dividends tend to be sticky. So once a dividend payment is established, companies are under tremendous pressure to maintain and increase the payment. And a company's stock price will likely be punished in the event of a dividend decrease or suspension. So there are many measures that investors use to help assess the safety and sustainability of the dividend. But the payout ratio is perhaps the most uh, common calculation. And just as a reminder, the, the payout ratio is calculated divide, by dividing the annual dividends per share by annual earnings per share. And the payout ratio helps an investor determine if earnings are sufficient enough to cover the dividend payment. So companies that do not pay a dividend have a payout ratio of zero, and they really retain all their earnings. A firm that pays out half of its earnings to shareholders when a dividend, uh, with a dividend has a payout ratio of 50%, while a company with a dividend equal to its earnings uh, has a payout ratio of 100%. So just, just to add a little more, a company's payout ratio is often compared to sector and industry medians, as well as against its own historical average. So companies in defensive industries like utilities they tend to have stable and predictable earnings and cash flows, allowing them to support higher dividend payout ratios uh, than cyclical companies, for example, whose earnings may fluctuate significantly quarter to quarter. Uh, there's often no hard rule for the earnings payout ratio. It is merely a calculation that can be used as a tool to determine the safety of the dividend payment. Uh, and one last thing, a payout ratio uh, over 100% is generally regarded as unsustainable. 
since a company can't pay out more than 100% of its profit, profit through dividends uh, in the long term. Generally speaking, a payout ratio below the historical average is more attractive because it illustrates the, that a company has grown earnings faster than dividend payments and has, has, potential, uh, has potentially has room to grow its dividend since payout earnings used uh, earnings per share in the calculation, they can be volatile. Oh, that's really interesting. That's really good for you know investors to know so that they can plan, they can look at that, you know, that historical data, like you said, and see if it is actually sustainable or if it's unrealistic, like if you get that 100% payout. Um, and then I wanted to ask, you know, how um, you know, how can investors make sure a high yielding dividend stock is a quality company and not one with weak growth prospects? You kind of mentioned a little bit about sustainability, but I just wanted to ask you about this as well. Yeah, sure. So like I mentioned earlier, to, to make sure a high yielding dividend stock is a quality company and not one with weak growth prospects, we can look at some of the, the filters we used for the, the first cut screen. So again, the importance of uh, a filter requiring annual dividend increases over the last three years was specified. So we're looking uh, for trends where the company continues to increase its dividend over time. That's really important. And we also looked at the three-year historical dividend growth rates, and that provides a sense of dividend sustainability, which again is, is very important. Uh, you know, there's nothing better than the trend of a company. And then we also looked at positive current earnings uh, for the current fiscal year uh, was also required. And this was used as a, a minor, minor financial strength screen. So we looked at uh, dividend sustainability through the increase of the dividend over time. And then we looked at a couple uh, financial strength screens as well. And, you know, Leslie, I just wanted to ask, you know, how investors can best use stock screens that we have at, you know, with AAI and also AI's dividend investing service to build their own strong portfolio uh, to find these high yielding, um, you know, dividend stocks or uh, other companies? Sure. So I'll, I'll just focus on the, the dividend investing strategy. Uh, it seeks higher than market yields and dividend growth at a reasonable price. So therefore, the, the dividend investing approach, it would really be categorized as a hybrid strategy. You know, we were thinking about the continuum earlier, so it would really be a hybrid strategy, but it would lie closer to the high dividend growth end of the spectrum. And to achieve a total return that consists of both dividend income and capital appreciation, that's really what we're trying to accomplish with the the AAII dividend investing focus. And how, in order to help us uh, achieve that, we do look at uh, three pillars when making dividend investing decisions. The first is we look at uh, growth trends. So a companies, we look at a company's record of growth in revenue, earnings, and cash flow. We analyze those, those three things. We also look at profit margins, earnings surprises, and estimates. And we look at the dividend history and dividend growth trends. And really it comes down to a company's success is driven by its ability to generate sales and convert that revenue into earnings and cash flow. Uh, the second thing we look at, one of the, the three pillars is financial strength and quality. We look at a company's leverage ratios. We look at cash flows. We look at payout ratios, which we talked about earlier. We look at the earnings payout ratio and we look at the cash flow payout ratio. And we also look at capital return to shareholders through dividends and share buybacks. And these, these items are monitored to ensure that a company can continue raising its dividends. And the third thing we look at, the third pillar we look at is 
valuation. Stock prices tend to fluctuate between high and low extreme valuation levels. And these relationships can be used to determine a stock's value range. And the two main valuation metrics we examine are dividend yield and trailing price earnings ratio. So hopefully that helps to give you an idea of, of how to accomplish uh, not only dividend growth, but stock price appreciation as well. No, it really does. It does. And, I, and I'm glad that we were able to go through your two articles because I, I definitely learned a lot. And I know our, our members will also learn a lot about, you know, how to pick and how to use, you know, AI's dividend investing, you know, to their advantage. So that's great to know. But yeah, thank you so much uh, for chatting with me, Derek. Uh, I just wanted to uh, remind members that they can read the latest issue of the AAII journal um, and Derek's uh, two articles uh, by visiting AAII.com slash journal. But yeah, thank you so much. And uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Thanks. Hi, Matt. Thanks so much for making time to discuss your latest article in the June 2022 issue of the AAII Journal, How to Best Use Stock Screens to Build a Portfolio. Uh, Matt is one of our uh, newest members on our team of financial analysts and also lead editor of the Stock Superstars Report. So thank you, uh, Matt, for taking time. I really appreciate uh, yeah, that we're able to talk about your articles today. Yeah, no problem. And so my first question is, uh, you know, can you give us a high-level overview of what a stock screen is and how uh, can you investors use them at AAII? Sure. So a stock screen is a tool that investors use to sift through thousands of publicly traded companies to identify stocks with a common set of characteristics. Running a screen is an excellent starting point for building a portfolio based on a specific investment strategy. We develop screens based on fundamental characteristics of companies to see if they fit the mold of our chosen investment strategy. Another way to think of a stock screen is as a database filter. We use our Stock Investor Pro Research Database Program to analyze the fundamentals of thousands of publicly traded US-based companies. These screens are all quantitatively based, meaning they rely on numerical data within a specified range. Creating screens is an immensely powerful tool when looking to develop an investment portfolio. Excellent. And, um, you know, in your article, you mentioned a common misconception about stock screens being a way to create a, like, almost a buy list based on certain criteria. So can you just explain this uh, misconception a little further? Yeah. So when you run a screen, it can return many stocks or few, depending on how strict our underlying criteria is. However, all the stocks on that list are not necessarily viable investments you must go one step further and determine if that company aligns with your investment goals or your strategy. Also, it's important to go over company financials to make sure they have common qualities of financial strength to keep growing or they're continuing to make profits. And you know, what are the main benefits of using stock screens to find uh, potential investment opportunities? So I think there are two main benefits of using a stock screen. Uh, one is to make selecting stocks much easier among thousands of possible investments. The other is to stick to an investment strategy and reduce all emotion involved in decision-making. Uh, becoming attached or investing off your emotion, uh, it reduces our capacity to make educated decisions. A stock screen will use that fundamental data that I talked about to change our approach to investing. 
makes sense. And, uh, you know, can, so I wanted to ask you, you know, can you explain the different types of stock screens that we have at AAI and then also what are their purposes? Yeah. So there's two main types of screens that we offer AAI. Uh, one is factor-based and one is what we like to call our guru stock stream screens. Uh, factor-based screens use fundamental characteristics of popular investment strategies to find stocks. Uh, some examples of this are value, momentum, growth-based strategies. We're looking for criteria that follow these strategies closely. Uh, on the other hand, our guru screens are slightly different in that they follow the investment strategies of famous investors over the years. These investors develop some of the best winning strategies that we can emulate in our screens uh, for fundamental company data. Excellent. And, uh, you know, what are the key steps, uh, you, you know, you, met, you mentioned some in your article, uh, and I just want to ask you how, how to best use stock screens to your advantage. So can you uh, give us a little background on this? Yeah, so the first step in, in uh, either developing or following any of our stock screens is to lay out your personal objectives. Maybe you want to follow smaller companies for potential of rapid growth, or you want established companies that pay dividends and provide income over the long term. Asking yourself these questions will help you define what criteria to look for in any screen. We can then refine our criteria or your criteria to be highly selective or more broad. The goal is to find stocks that closely align with your initial objectives. This will create a perfect starting point for building a portfolio. And so I also want to ask you, you know, what common mistakes um, can investors avoid when using stock screens? Well, one mistake that is easy to make um, is having screening criteria that is contradictory. An example that I gave in the article is combining high earnings growth with high dividend yield. Companies that are in a rapid growth phase typically need cash to expand their business and they can't afford to pay dividends. So when you combine this criteria, it negates the objective of the screen. It leaves you with a list of stocks that don't really fit a strategy, if any stocks will pass at all. Another mistake is to have criteria that's either too selective or you just have too much criteria in your stock screen. An overly restrictive screen will return fewer candidates uh, for you to consider for your portfolio. That makes sense. So it's really good for investors to know. And, um, you know, how can investors, you know, we talk about pre-built versus, you know, um, you know, ones that you can create your own. So how do, can investors actually decide if they should use the pre-built ones on our website or go ahead and create their own with their own criteria? Yeah. So I, as I said before, our fundamental rule of thumb is to first lay out your initial objectives for your investment strategy. If you find that one of our pre-built screens follows your objectives, uh, it would be smart to follow that screen rather than reinvent the wheel. Uh, all of our pre-built stock screens uh, have been back-tested over years of data to prove that they're built for higher returns. If you have objectives that don't align with our screens, you can pick primary criteria for companies that will follow your investment goals. And some of this criteria is followed in some of our pre-built screens. So 
I would say that using pre-built screens is a good starting point, but if you find it doesn't follow your objectives, you can go further and create your own. That makes sense. And, um, you know, this is kind of a follow-up, but are, you know, are there specific things investors should be aware of if they decide to create their own? I know you said that, you know, what uh, they can avoid, but is there anything that they should, you know, include? Um, so first you need to select primary criteria for a screen and you should decide on whether you wish to compare the data on an absolute or a relative basis. Uh, relative con conditions compare a company's fi current financial situation to either a historical level or to you know, the market sector or industry benchmarks. Whereas absolute conditions are a set level that criteria must meet to pass the screen. Um, certain criteria um, must be used on relative basis. Uh, for example, um, in industry price to sales ratios are usually compared on an industry level or a sector level. Um, but besides the point, uh, after you select primary criteria, you should develop secondary or what we like to call qualifying criteria to filter the stocks that are worth looking at and the ones that, you know, aren't. Uh, this could be as simple as looking for stocks that are priced over $1. This helps us avoid smaller volatile companies or, you know, penny stocks that could be bad investments. Excellent, excellent. And, um, you know, in, in your article, you do mention that, you know, there, there's a useful rule of thumb is to sell a stock when it no longer reflects the spirit of the strategy used to identify it. So can you expand on this a little bit? So I, I think of it as common sense. If, if we use screens to invest based on our outlined investment strategy, it makes sense to sell these holdings when they no longer reflect that strategy. So you can modify the initial criteria used for stocks that pass a screen to develop rules for deleting stocks from a portfolio. This reinforces our ability to make educated decisions on the sell side, much like our educated decisions when we add companies that pass the screens initially. Uh, the strategy of altering screen criteria for decision-making is employed by all of AAII's model portfolios, since it allows for making decisions based on clearly defined objectives and quantitative rules instead of emotion or intuition. You do not wanna let emotions trigger your sell decisions. And, you know, is there anything AI specifically recommends investors do when using stock screens? I know you mentioned a little bit ahead, you know, before, um, but if there's anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, so even though a stock screen specifically looks for quantitative aspects of a company, it's important to consider those qualitative aspects as well. This is why we urge you to conduct further research into a company rather than just selecting any stocks from a screen that passes screen. Uh, pay attention to a company's, you know, current economic position, how their management is running things, or their overall business model. This type of research will filter the passing companies list into the excellent investments that we're looking for. And so, you know, how can investors, you know, after, you know, listening um, to, you know, our talk, you know, and reading the article, how can investors find the right stock screen for them? Well, if you want to find the right screen for you, you should take two or three of the criteria, the initial screening criteria that align best 
with your own outline strategy to develop long-term rules for managing a portfolio. Uh, then you can compare your objectives to the screens that use the criteria you wish to follow. This will maximize your efforts in finding companies that compare to your own strategy. That's good advice. And, um, you know, lastly, I just wanted to ask, you know, if an investor is just getting started using stock screens, um, you know, where would you recommend they start on the AI website? And kind of as a follow up, you know, what resources would you steer them towards? Yeah, so all our pre-built stock screens are located on the screen tab from the homepage of our website. Um, from there, you can find both the factor-based screens and the guru screens that I discussed earlier. Uh, if you wish to create your own stock screens, uh, A Plus Investor offers the custom stock screener. Also, our uh, Stock Investor Pro program offers more customization for stock screens and the ability to run them. But I think a good thing to start or a good place to start is just go to our screening tab and take a look at our pre-built stock screens because you may find that one really speaks to you and works with your own investment timeline and your investment goals. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me, Matt. I really appreciate it. And I just wanted to remind members that uh, they can read the latest issue, uh, including this article um, of the AAII Journal by visiting aaii.com journal. So yeah, thank you so much, Matt. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Yeah, thanks, Jenna. Hope you do too. We hope you enjoyed tonight's broadcast. I want to thank Derek Hagman and Matt Markowski for making time to chat with me today about their articles. If you're looking for more information on stock screening, we have an online community that is available to all AAII members, where hundreds of people are discussing topics about screening strategies, what stocks are on their watch list, and how to best utilize AAII products, as well as so much more. Visit community.aaii.com to learn more and join the stock screening community. And as always, please remember to click the subscribe button if you'd like to be alerted of future II shows. You can always catch a replay of tonight's event by visiting our YouTube channel. And make sure to register for upcoming events by visiting aaii.com webinars. And if you're an investor on the go and want to catch the II show while driving or going for your daily walk, you can now find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and so many more. Also, members can read both Derek and Matt's articles in the June issue of the AAII Journal by visiting aaii.com journal. And with that, we wish all of you viewing good health, good fortune, and a great evening. Thank you and happy investing.